There's a big shelter four miles away, the city shelter that has all the dormitories. Once they filled up, people started coming here. But how this notion got started that we're not a shelter and we're not taking people in is a false narrative. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. As always, thanks for joining in. That was Joel Osteen, lead pastor of Lakewood Church, which, which is a megachurch in Houston, Texas. He received a lot of criticism in the immediate aftermath of Hurricane Harvey for not having opened his large arena to evacuees who were seeking shelter. Austin has given a couple reasons for not immediately opening his doors, one of them being because the building was under threat of flooding. Another, he said, was that the city hadn't asked him to open up as a sanctuary. And Lakewood did eventually open its doors to people who needed shelter. But the dust-up and confusion got us thinking about what the role of religion and faith is in times like these, especially the dominant religion in America, Christianity. What does religion tell us about how we should react in fraught times? How do we demonstrate our faith when we are under the most pressure to act? And how does that compare to the obligations that we have in our daily lives? Do we live out faith daily or do we just live it out episodically? And are we really people of faith if we only episodically indulge in charity, for instance, or assistance when people are hurting? We're going to get a couple of different perspectives on this subject today. And of course, we want to hear from you. What do you think about how we demonstrate what we believe? Is it through times of crisis when people are in need and we show our compassion for those people or our capacity to help them out? Or is faith something that structures our lives? Is Should you be able to look at your life and identify the decisions you made about where you live, about who you associate with? maybe about where you work. Should you be able to filter that through the beliefs you have in God or Christ or Allah? 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we'll try to work you into the conversation. Talk to us about your faith and how maybe you judge other people's faith. Do you look at other folks and say, hmm, that's somebody who gives an awful lot to charity, but their life doesn't really reflect the things that they say they believe, the religious tenets that they say are supposed to guide their life. Again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Uh, joining me to kick off this conversation is Kari Brown, an associate professor of sociology with an expertise in religion, race, and politics from Wayne State University. Kari, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Also with us is a familiar face, Reverend Nick Hood III, who is pastor and senior minister of the Plymouth United Church of Christ here in Detroit. Uh, Reverend Hood, welcome back to Detroit Today. Good morning. Yeah. Uh, Kari, let's start with you. I I, I think this this is a really important question about who we are as religious people and also who we are as Americans. Uh, We like in this country to identify ourselves 
as a religious people. Yeah. An overwhelming number of Americans would would say that they are religious people. But I think it's it's really important to de- define what that means, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, should that be reflected in the choices I make about the things I do in my life? Or is it good enough to say, look, I'm religious, I go to church every Sunday, and I give a lot of money to charities. I work at the soup kitchen. I do all of these things that that seem like they're important to do as uh, a religious person. How do, how do we reconcile those things? Those are good questions. Um, I think we all want to believe that we're good people. And we all want to believe that, I mean, among people that are, are Christians or believers, that you are living out your faith. Um, it becomes, I think, evident uh, during periods of crisis like the, the current hurricane. Um, but when you, when you just look at the numbers, um, it's, it's interesting um, in terms of what congregations are doing around the country. So roughly 90% of congregations are providing some type of social service, if it's, if it's cash assistance or feeding the homeless or building homes as Plymouth has done for a number of years. Um, it doesn't get a lot of press, but this is happening all over the country um, on a day-to-day basis. If you add up the amount of service that congregations are providing in, in um, the nation, it adds up in terms of the services and volunteer and in-kind gifts, billions of dollars. Um, so, of course, we see you know an outpouring of this during natural disasters, but um, I think for the most part, um, many people want their congregations to be a service in the community. When you ask people, what do you want? What do you want your religious leaders? Um, how do you want religious leaders to beha- behave? Most say, close, surveys indicate that most, over 70% say they want their congregation to be more involved in solving issues of poverty, racial discrimination, right. um, reducing the, the gap between the rich and the poor. Um, so I think a lot of this comes into question, though, when we see these egregious examples, where we say, wait a second, that seems a little bit <laughs> out of character. And then we point to those issues, which you know, makes for good stories. Um, but on the main, I would say that many congregations are trying right. to do what they can to meet the needs in their communities and to live out their faith. Yeah, uh, Reverend Hood, uh, I'm curious about how you handle this question in your congregation, for, for starters. But I also want uh, to have you talk about this idea of charity versus service, right? Uh, the idea of of a life that is led around the idea of service versus the life that that includes some charity is that is that a real distinction and is it an important distinction when we think about how we demonstrate our faith well some of the uh, great and greatest humanists that I've met are atheists uh, and and then another tier of great humanists that <laughs> I know are people who are not atheists they would tell you that they believe in God but um, they don't go to church. Mm-hmm. But they're great people. You know, they're kind, uh, they're compassionate. Uh, the balance that you, you mentioned uh, between service and contributions or offerings, you know, that's always an issue. Uh, but in the church, you know, we often uh, tell people that, you know, the offering that you give is really your way of uh, worshiping God. You know, one of the thoughts, I thought about the lead-in to the program today, Mm -hmm. and I think that part of the reason why we as Christians, and frankly, I would say Jews and Muslims too, feel uh, a great degree of uh, compulsion to reach out to the poor, is it comes from the Bible, from the Jewish Bible, uh, which in the Christian faith we call the Old Testament, 
In Isaiah 58.10, he says, If you offer your food to the hungry and satisfy the needs of the afflicted, then your light shall rise in the darkness and your gloom shall be like the noonday. Or in Deuteronomy, you know, from Moses, since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. And so, you know, I've, I don't know that much about the Koran, mm-hmm. but I have talked with a number of Muslims who say that uh, one of their commands is to never walk by the poor and not help them. Uh, in the Christian faith, Jesus says, um, when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was naked, you clothed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me drink. When I was sick and in prison, you came to visit me. And inasmuch as you have done unto the least of these, your brothers and sisters, you've done unto me. That's Matthew 25. Right. And so for Christians looking at uh, Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Katrina or even just the devastation that we have right on the east side and southwest side of Detroit. Sure. Mm-hmm. You know, we feel compelled that we should get involved, that it, it's not enough to sit on the sidelines. And uh, you said something else that I thought was very interesting in your opening remarks mm-hmm. about how the Christian or we, is it also appropriate? I, I, I'm paraphrasing what I thought I heard you say. Sure. That our faith should. To be touched by every other aspect of our lives. Uh, The last time I was on your show, I think I talked about a little bit about being in politics Uh and how, Uh when I was on the city council, I (laughs) I didn't really understand the meaning of sanctification (laughs) until I went on the city council. (laughs) Because, in a pure sense, sanctification Mm -hmm. means set apart or consecrated for God's service. Right. And so for me, actually going to City Hall every day was a deeply religious experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll let you. Yeah, uh, no, I carry think that's on. a. I think that's a really important. Uh, I think that's a really important distinction. You know, I, I, part of the reason I want to do this segment is that this is something that I even struggle with. Right, mm-hmm. uh, as you go through life and. Uh, you you build your life around mm. uh, the idea of taking care of your family, mm. getting ahead, mm. uh, saving for the future, for your mm. children, for yourself. I think you find yourself moving further and further away, or at least, in a, and here I'm just speaking for myself, literally, you find yourself moving further and further away from those things on a daily basis that might demonstrate uh, what you believe, right? So, if, if I live in a neighborhood where uh, most poor people could never afford to mm-hmm. live, am I, in a small way, turning my back on the faith that I say guides my thinking? I mean, I think uh, uh, at, at some point we all reach that point where, where it seems like um, the, the, the decisions that we're making and the life that we've built maybe doesn't quite comport with the things that we say we want to we want to believe. Yeah, I mean, I, that's a good point. I think that is one of the reasons why there is controversy over the Olstein um, not opening his church. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's less of an issue in terms of him opening his church and more of an issue of what we think critics or many people believe that religious leaders how they should live. I mean, it's just like you said, we want to we want our religious leaders to emulate the life that we think we should live. We want to believe that they're above the, the temptation of materialism that is constantly around, surrounding us. Um, 
But we aren't. <laughs> but we are exactly. So you want you want you want the religious leaders to serve as this moral example of how we want to live. And we see religious leaders that are also susceptible to the same materialist temptations that we're all susceptible to, it becomes disconcerting for many people. Yeah. And for some it may seem a bit hypocritical and cause us to question our faith because we all struggle with that. You know, do I need this large house? I probably could live in a little bit a smaller house and another family could live here as well. Right. Um, so you're I mean these are questions that go through Many Americans, given that we are in a, a very wealthy yeah. nation, so uh, Father yeah. uh, Reverend Hood, uh, talk about the the influence here of prosperity versus salvation gospel. I think that sort of lurks in the background of this conversation. What is the purpose of faith and church and belief? Uh, there are some people who don't necessarily believe that it is service. Well. With full disclosure, uh, when I get bored listening to uh, the music on the radio, I turn on Joel Olstein's program. He's got, <laughs> yeah. He has a Sirius XM uh, station. Sure, sure. And one of the things that's fascinated me about his ministry in trying to look at it objectively is on that whole point of the prosperity. He, he, the, one of the key words and phrases that he uses is the favor of God. Mm-hmm. And I am totally fascinated with his explanation of the favor <laughs> of God because, uh, to me, the countervailing uh, notion to that is, well, if I am favored, does that mean that somebody is somebody less, else is less disfavored? Less fa- disfavored? Yeah. And I don't think he has a good answer for that. Um, and I, I'm totally confounded. I listen to it, and I'm trying to be objective with it. But I would just say, um, in terms of Hurricane Harvey and the Lakewood Church and Joel Olstein's response, I think um, in the end, Lakewood Church and Joel Olstein will be better for the criticism that they receive, because really the criticism is challenging Lakewood and Olstein to act like a church, to act in the ways that we we assume that normal churches act. And I think they just got caught flat-footed, but I think that their response will probably be over the top. Um, And so I make no excuses or apologies for them. Uh, By the same token, CNN showed a United Methodist Church in Mm -hmm, Houston mm -hmm. that uh, somehow had uh, pulled together a group of boats, and they were going house to house, door to door, rescuing people. And I'm saying, isn't that interesting? You know, in that same community, (laughs) you have Lakewood Church— with millions of dollars, you have a United Methodist, which I assume doesn't have as much money, mm-hmm. but they're out in the muddy, dirty, fecal-infested, mm. alligator sure. swimming waters. And I think there's a real lesson in that. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. Uh, my guests are Kari Brown, an associate professor of sociology with an expertise in religion, race, and politics at Wayne State University. Uh, also with me is the Reverend Nick, Herd, Nick Hood III. He is pastor and senior minister of the Plymouth United Church of Christ in Detroit. We're talking about faith and how we demonstrate faith. Do we do it in times of need, or is it something that we should be doing all the time. Uh, let's take a quick call here before we get to a break. Aaron in Detroit, welcome to Detroit Today. Hello? Yeah, go ahead, Aaron. Hi, good morning. Uh-huh. Uh, good morning to you, guests. Uh, good first morning. First of all, I, uh, I, I think the pastor was being very optimistic when he says that uh, Joe Osteen's church will be better for it. Sometimes it takes 
a traumatic situation to expose what we're really about, unfortunately, but I don't, I don't want to go into that. What I want to talk about is uh, faith. I, I don't think it's fair or I don't think it's a good idea when just because something can fit into a category, we put it into a category. I don't think we should put faith in the category uh, uh, with a lot of different beliefs or religions or whatever, because faith is a personal thing that somebody can exercise. And how somebody responds in a situation is not necessarily always indicative of what level of faith they have. We are human, and that's why we try to practice certain behaviors so we can do it even when uh, uh, we don't have the faith to believe that something might come out a certain way. But trying to describe faith to someone who doesn't practice it is like trying to describe what colors look like to someone who has been <laughs> born blind You're or something. Blind, so yeah, yeah. It, it's, it, you can't really do it. You have to uh, be a part of it or, or partake of it to really be able to, uh, uh, to understand it. But what I'll say about human nature, because somebody does good, uh, doesn't necessarily mean that they have faith in something higher than them because it's human nature for us to try to help other humans and even uh, beings that are not human. Right. It's just a part of us. And so doing bad is not necessarily indicative of, of anything either. Uh, but having faith in God or in a certain belief can channel your behavior above your feelings because if we're going to go by our feelings, then we are just animals. Yeah. Aaron, Aaron, thanks very much for the call and the comment. Okay, we're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I'm going to keep Kari Brown here and I say thank you to Reverend Hood. Uh, we're going to be joined next uh, by a Jesuit priest from the University of Detroit Mercy to help frame out this conversation a little further. Stay with us on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. My guests are Kari Brown. He's Associate Professor of Sociology with an expertise in religion, race, and politics from Wayne State University. Also here now is Father Tim Hipskin. He is Director of Service Learning for the University of Detroit Mercy. Father Tipskin, Hipskin, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you, Stephen. Good yeah. to be here. Yeah. So I, I want to get you into this conversation. Uh, service learning is a big part of the curriculum at University of Detroit Mercy. I know it that is indeed. because I'm a graduate of University of Detroit High School, yes. where it is also a big part of the curriculum. Talk about how you deal with getting young people to understand that service goes beyond charity, that service is a really different kind of concept. Well, first, uh, service itself helps open students up to that uh, often Service is not a choice for students if uh, it's in a class that they're taking. Uh, and sometimes there's even initial resistance to that. But overwhelmingly, they have a positive experience of that because it opens their hearts in ways that other uh, parts of education don't. They uh, see their own uh, gifts and talents, um, their own values emerging uh, sometimes uh, in kind of eye-opening experiences for them. And so... Uh, they, 
uh, it ex- it opens up their eyes for uh, ways of you know exercising these values that maybe they hadn't seen before. Uh, so it's more than just uh, something that you do uh, because you're supposed to, uh, but it awakens uh, something inside of them uh-huh. uh, that uh, ultimately we believe why we do it is that it has to do with their uh, ultimate fulfillment in life. Yeah. So, so how does that inform then, or how should it inform decisions that people make every day about where they live, about the work that they do, about the people they associate with uh, do you do you get to that space with these students about or do they get there themselves uh, to the place where they're thinking hey I've got to live a certain kind of life to reflect this and it's not about what I choose to do when I have time yeah we uh, build in reflection uh, after students do the service they come back to the classroom reflect on what happens and that's uh, what we try to help them do is think, you know, what implications does this have for my life beyond this service? And often uh, very important things emerge uh, that not even directly related to service. You know, I, I saw how valuable listening was in this case. I want to be a better listener. I saw how valued family was. I want to put more time to my family. I appreciated what Kahari was saying earlier about how there are competing uh, values in our world. Uh, materialism uh, comes at us from all different angles. And uh, how much do we want that to influence our lives? And uh, what difference does it make if that rules my life? And, uh, you know, we uh, the Jesuits were founded by St. Ignatius, who he used the language of saving our souls, mm-hmm. that this is, uh, you can, you know, like you can see, you put a, a plant in the darkness and it starts to die. You put a plant in the light and it flourishes. And uh, these influences our culture can do the same thing to us. Uh, materialism can uh, begin to kill us. And uh, yet, if we open our hearts to our relationships with our neighbors, uh, we begin to flourish uh-huh. and students recognize. We try to help them see the difference that that makes. Yeah. Uh, Kari, you believe that this is one of the more compelling and consistent American narratives that we've had, this this conflict yes, between I, these two things. Um, I do. I mean, really, when I think about the prosperity theology, this idea that if you have enough faith, if you read the scriptures enough, if you pray enough, if you dedicate enough money to your house of worship, that health, wealth, and peace of mind um, will be yours, it aligns, for me, quite consistent with this dominant ethos of of the opportunity structure in our nation. In our nation, we're consistently taught that we live in a special place. There's it's a, a very wealthy nation. There's so many opportunities available for everyone that's here. And if you work hard enough, your talents will take you, you know, to the heights. And conversely, if you, if you fail, it's your fault. Mm-hmm. It's not because of blocked opportunity, discrimination, sure. neighborhood, family you're grown in, you were born into. It's your fault. That aligns quite well <clears throat> with this prosperity theological ethic that it's the individual that's, that's his fault. You're mm-hmm. not praying hard enough. You're not doing enough. Um, so it's for me, it's it's it makes sense why this is appealing and why it catches on because this is something that we're taught early on and is reinforced 
on TV, radio schools, you know, what have you. Sure. Yeah. Uh, this is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. Uh, I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Kari Brown, an associate professor of sociology with an expertise in religion, race, and politics at Wayne State University. Also here is Father Tim Hipskin. He is director of service learning for University of Detroit. Mercy, we're talking about faith and demonstrations of faith, how we show what we believe. Is it in times of crisis or is it every day? Is it about the choices we make about basic things surrounding our lives or is it about those extraordinary things we do when people are in need? Uh, if you want to join the conversation, give us a call. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter uh, and um, and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll try to work your comments into the conversation. Uh, Father Hipskin, I, I, I want to ask you to respond to what uh, Kari Brown was just talking about there, um, this idea that uh, that these tensions are American in, in so many ways and that that also mm-hmm. filters into religious teaching and religious activity. Yes, absolutely. And it uh, seems like that uh, dialogue has become an outright argument uh, and causing a lot of divisions right now. Uh, and so how important it is that we have... And, and, that's one of the things that uh, Jesuits are calling for worldwide is is real dialogue, to uh, and and one of the values I think with this election is has it exposed uh, a part of this dialogue that uh, that really uh, was there all along, but we hadn't uh, really heard it mm-hmm. so clearly. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm hopeful that if we can uh, keep the dialogue going that we can learn from what's happening now. But uh, if we, that sometimes that's not the direction we're going. Sometimes yeah. we go more in the uh, line of falling into ideologies and lobbing grenades across the... Uh, <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Uh, w- some people say that the, the generation of young people coming up now is far more selfish and sort of internally focused than previous generations. I wonder if you see that at U of D Mercy and, and whether you feel like there's a different kind of challenge. You know, and it's interesting. I've heard that for um, Generation X, which has now moved beyond. Which is my generation. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I've also heard that uh, the generation that's coming now um, saw the economic meltdown of 2008, mm-hmm. and they ascribe that to greed, and they don't want to have anything to do with that. Wow. And, and in point of fact, uh, we see a lot of generosity from students and uh, an actual interest in making a difference. We, our our um, vision statement at Detroit Mercy is we want to uh, be distinguished by graduates who lead, serve, and make a difference in their community. We get a lot of resonance from students who really uh, they, they uh, see the value in that, and something comes alive in them when they say, hey, I could be a part of that too. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Kari Brown, Associate Professor of Sociology at Wayne State University. Father Tom Tim Hipskin, uh, Director of Service Learning, Learning for U of D Mercy. Thanks for being here on Detroit Thank you, Today. Thank you. It's going to do it for me today. I hope you'll be back tomorrow because I will. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. See you tomorrow. <laughs>